Hey there, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Water Trio Astrology Podcast. I'm here today with my dear friends and colleagues, Alicia and Cassandra, and we are going to share a few thoughts about the astrological highlights of January and February 2024. Welcome back, gals. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Hi. Nice to see you. It's so nice good to, to be here. here. Uh, as we're getting started, I, we want to make sure that you know about our Water Trio Astrology Retreat, which is happening in Sydney on January 13th and 14th, 2024. You can sign up via Alicia's website, aliciayusuf.com, and we will be doing all kinds of things about timing for astrology in 2024. So transits and perfections, and I think some progressions. So I'm looking forward to seeing you guys in person. That'd be so good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm really looking forward Fantastic. To it. So I think we have just a few spots left. So if you're listening to this and it's late December or early January and you want to come join us for a couple of insightful, uh, uplifting days together in Sydney, we hope to see you there. Uh, so with that okay. said, let's get into the astrology. I don't know about you two, but I'm actually really looking forward to the astrology of January. There's some really lovely trine and sextile aspects and my general sense of the astrology of uh, January is that things get better as the month goes on. Planets are either picking up speed, going forward instead of going backwards, and starting to move through signs that are just much more effective. Uh, so what do you guys have your eyes on for January in terms of uh, your sense of the astrology? Well, I think there's well, just really one thing to talk about in January, but no, you're right, Kel, you know, there's a lot of, you know, trines and sextiles, um, Mercury stationing at the top of the month. It's a nice, okay, if you're making those New Year's resolutions or you're trying to, you know, plan um, logistically or get organized, it's a nice sort of start to, to the year, not just the month. And then having Mars come through into Capricorn, it's very much like, okay, let's put those plans into action. Let's kind of, uh, you know, get onwards and upwards with whatever those goals are. So it is a really kind of productive and efficient um, onwards and upwards um, energy to the year. And because we are talking about the months of February, January and February, the two consecutive Saturn seasons, and having Saturn uh, starting to pick up the pace, you know, it starts at three, ends at nine. That's nearly the same distance it did all through 2023. And then yeah. in addition to that, we uh, now have Jupiter, Saturn's ruler, stationed direct at the very end of 2023. So it really does feel like the, you know, the steam engines have been filled, the train's going to leave the station and we're really starting to uh, get that speed and momentum. So I think it can be very productive, very efficient, but very quick as well. Uh, Alicia, how about you? What do you think about the energy of this, I'm year, looking this forward. month? I agree with everything you said. You know, I'm really looking forward to that Mars and Capricorn energy. Oh, you know, yes. I love the energy you just use for the steam engine. It's That's what we see. You know, it's this flying piece of iron on a track. It likes to go in a certain direction, but I just think after everything that Mars has been through, you know, this year especially, but especially the last few months, it'll be nice to have that kind of energy there to help us yeah. move forward, go after what we want, you know, really focus on those goals. It's that kind of kick, you know, that that rocket booster towards our 
goal setting and you know starting to achieve whatever new year's resolutions that you're putting in place it can be like okay these are the goals and these are the actions i'm going to put in place and really get going with them one other point on mars it's now visible so it is not only mars with essential dignity exalted in capricorn but it's now visible so it can do stuff so that is uh you know hold on to your hats <laughs> we're going to be uh doing some stuff this month yeah, and it's going to become visible as the morning star version of itself, the morning Mars. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, that combination of Mars coming into the sign of its exaltation, January 4th, January 5th, and then becoming visible again, there's this effectiveness and this improvement of function, if you like, to do with Mars. And I just think that is going to give a real sense of sort of steady application of effort towards substantial goals or undertakings. Um, between that and the third Mercury trine Jupiter aspect that happens, mm -hmm. you know, kind of around the middle of the month, I just really feel like it's the great energies to have in January where you're trying to figure things out, get things going, make things happen. One of the things I'm thinking about with Mars in Capricorn is this idea of managing time and energy effectively so that we're applying our efforts to things that are of value or have long-term um, offerings, if you like. So there's something there about like figuring out your schedule, figuring out what to do, what not to do. Um, but I, I think it sounds like all of us are just really um, so excited for this Mars in Capricorn uh, piece coming through for January. Especially considering this year started with the Mars retrograde, you know? So it's like, this is an, and the year before different. Venus retrograde, you know, in that, in, mm. with Pluto. So it's this sense that this is actually the first year in a while that we've really got this ability to go forward, you know, really think, okay, this is where the year starts. Whereas, you know, the last few years it's been like February or March. It's really felt like we can kick into things. So yeah. yeah, and just having Mars in a slower-paced sign compared to Sagittarius. It's funny we're talking about this because this morning I was listening to um, a YouTube video talking about some Kabbalic principles of time, and a lot of it was about being in the moment, um, you know, that sort of slowed down, measured, not being kind of dispersed in the energy um, and just staying very sort of grounded and in the moment and I think that can be a very Mars and Capricorn thing as well you know rather than the sort of scattered wildfire energy coming out of Sagittarius so yeah yeah Mars and Capricorn feels like a more steady intentional build towards something whereas Mars in mm. Sag which was like late November December and early January it is it's like wild horses or it's sort of it's a very sort of primal um energy that is uh got an impulsive spontaneous quality uh yeah. and definitely you know doing kind of so many things at once that there's activity but not actually momentum or progress whereas I think Mars in Capricorn is very much about you know making sure that if you're doing something it's creating progress or momentum it's helping you get somewhere basically yeah it's kind of um you know, do something for yourself today that the future self will thank you for, I think is a big yeah. message of Mars in Cap. Yeah. yeah. Like you like to say, Cass, it's, this is a Mars that 
will look to the long term and take the short term pain for it. So yeah, it kind of reduces that recklessness or that impulsivity of Mars tends to have. I mean, it is an Earth sign. It's the fastest of the Earth signs, but it's definitely got that kind of get it on the right track and you can keep going full steam ahead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, no holds barred approach to January, I think. Yeah, I mean, and Mars gets such great support from Jupiter and Saturn throughout the month of January just by sign-based and degree-based aspect that it really feels, you know, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn are those three superior planets that do speak to uh, more meaningful of substantive topics. So you're not just kind of getting started and dealing with day-to-day, week-to-week things. It's more about putting in place the changes for longer term plans like you know the future you the thing that the you of two years from now is going to be so grateful that you got started it's that kind of thing um between jupiter i think cassie was saying jupiter had gestation direct at the end of december uh jupiter rules saturn saturn rules mars you know between those planets now getting going it really feels like we're underway with the next chapter the plans for the next uh the next phase essentially and then of course the big astrological news for january um who would like to get us going? Well, I on guess that <laughs> I guess before that happens, though, we do yeah. have the last conjunction between the Sun and Pluto in Capricorn. Sure, and I, I think Leash, you pointed out that it was what fifty, like twenty nine and fifty nine. So, yeah, yeah. So it is very much like, the last hurrah as far as Cap's concerned. I mean, obviously Pluto goes back into Capricorn yeah. for a brief period, but. I think just the fact mm-hmm. that this sun conjunction really happens at that very edge of all of this um, is significant before we have that re-entry into, Plu- uh, into Aquarius. And what do you think is significant about that, Cass? Is it sort of that signature of like that longer Pluto and Capricorn cycle winding down? One might like to hope. We did sort of say in the... <laughs> in the um, the pre-chat before recording was it's a bit like the empire strikes back you know just before we're like we're into this um Aquarius vibe there's just that sort of one last renewal of of Pluto under that Capricornian energy that being said you could really split hairs it's so on the edge of that so um I mean I think it's going to be significant for people on a personal level if you do have a planet um particularly at 29 or even zero Aquarius. And I think for those people, that's what you're really, you know, want to tap into. So I think that's about the 20th. Is that right, Kel, as far as dates? The Sun-Pluto conjunction? Yeah. yeah. I think it's yeah. the 20th, maybe the 21st in Australia. Yeah. Um, and it's just a couple of hours before the Sun goes into Aquarius. And then I think Leisha was saying it's how many hours before like Pluto goes yeah. into Aquarius? Yeah. 15 minutes before the sun moves into Aquarius and then, yeah, it's about 10 or 11 hours until then Pluto moves in. So this all happens here in Australia. It's the 20th, 21st. Um, yeah. The rest of the world the 20th. So it's a really significant shift that day and we'll see more of it into the into the astrology of February. We'll get to this as, as the personal planets, you know, come and touch all of this, but it's such an interesting straddle, you know. They are both Saturn-based signs, 
the two of these. And my sense of the difference between Pluto and Capricorn and the Pluto and Aquarius is Pluto and Capricorn, it's what you do. Whereas in Pluto and Aquarius is like the reasons why you do it, you know, the thinking behind what you're doing. And it's almost like this is going to be that difference of as we meet that. And I think the sun will really highlight this as that shift happens. So it's like, why are you, what's the thinking behind what you're digging up or what you're trying to get into or what you're trying to understand about yourself as, as Pluto starts to highlight these degrees. And we haven't seen Pluto in a fixed sign for, you know, the, oh, sorry, at this area of the chart, this is where Pluto starts to dig in, where it starts to stay in signs for a lot longer because it goes pretty quickly between Virgo and Capricorn. Or is this sign of the sky? Like how long has it been in Capricorn for? I think it's 15, 15 years. Yeah, in Capricorn. But it's like 20 in Aquarius, isn't it? Aquarius, yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's something that's really got a lot more staying power. Like I was thinking for me, this is going to be probably the rest of my professional life, having Pluto and Aquarius. Yeah. You know, so really thinking about those life stages for all of us about what this Pluto and Aquarius will mean it's it's a it's a whole era of our lives um Mm. because it does and it's like it's getting into the deeper part of the pool it's like earlier this year it was dipping its toes in but now it's like okay I'm in the shallow end getting deeper and it'll pop back out you know September through until November but I think it's just a kind of a coming up the air yeah, it's definitely more of an immersion this time around. And I think, you know, we can kind of really say sayonara to the Capricorn part of our life, especially with that um, Pluto-Sun conjunction just before it all moves into Aquarius. And then, yeah, we're definitely sort of saying goodbye at one level to a topic of our life um, and then welcoming a new one. And how is our life or our lives according to our Aquarius house, how are they going to profoundly shift over the next 20 years? Like, and thinking about that and are you even picking up on flavors and themes of that now, you know? Um, are you getting those inklings or those deeper shifts, you know, all that sort of Pluto underground stuff that something is is profoundly shifting in a particular area of your life? And then as we move into January and February, you know, that is potentially going to become a lot more apparent, especially it's an ingress. You know, you may not have any Aquarius planets until like well into the um, into the sign or Pluto's not going to make aspects until it's, you know, halfway through, what have you. But there's something very potent about the ingress. It's like an introduction. Pluto's going, you know, here I am, like it or not, you're going to have to deal with me for 20 years. And then, you know, what is that going to look like? What does it touch in your chart? What does it not touch in your chart? And that's going to give you a really, you know, sort of that profound experience. So that's sort of like letting go of a massive chapter and welcoming in a new one. So for some of us, that's going to be exciting, while for others, it's going to be a little bit, oh, do I really have to go through this? So um, it's certainly going to be different for everyone, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it is such, I think that's a really great way of thinking about it. Like it is such an epoch-type cycle. You know, Pluto has been in Capricorn since 2008. So that sort of entire timeline, like sort of 15, 16 years, 
we've all had whatever Pluto and Capricorn journey, you know, whatever house Capricorn is for you. But also, you know, if you've got planets in the cardinal signs in Aries, Libra, Cancer or Capricorn, this last 15 years with Pluto and Capricorn has probably been really pivotal in some ways for you for those particular planets. Mm -hmm. And then as Pluto comes into Aquarius, you know, as we we're saying January 20th or 21st, we're really starting to get further into the Pluto in a fixed sign. So not just Aquarius placements, but if you've got planets in Taurus and Leo and Scorpio, this next 20 years is going to be incredibly transformative and in some ways regenerative, but in other ways about that death rebirth process of releasing one thing so that you can kind of incarnate into something totally different. Are you yeah. girls excited for it? I've got a stellium in early Scorpio, so you know. <laughs> yeah, at and I both have really early fixed sign placements, so we're we're like so in it personally, I guess. I mean, I also think yeah. you know some of those collective Pluto and Aquarius themes about technology and about the ethics, about emerging and innovative technologies. That's going to be a huge part of the conversation, you know, late January and heading into February as Pluto is now back in Aquarius um for another chunk of time yeah because yeah. we especially saw those themes already arise this year you know around ai and the ethics around ai for example another thing a theme that i think we'll see is power to the people um the idea of pluto in this humanitarian sign so it'll be interesting to see um the balances of power and how that's highlighted in that january february period as well so Mm. yeah yeah Aquarius is the sign opposite Leo so it's like the anti figurehead you know in Aquarius it's oh, like, like anti-boomer you mean well I don't know if I say it <laughs> specifically like that that's what I was thinking per se but you know like Leo is the sign speaking I mean fair. <laughs> the boomer generation has Pluto in Leo so of course this is like an opposition transit to their yeah. natal Pluto but I was more thinking about Aquarius as the sign where the sun is in detriment. So the yeah. idea of like Aquarius is, it, Aquarius does not uphold individual leaders. It is more about the shared collaborative collective experience. And so whether that's community oriented, whether that is, you know, just being aware that there's more than the one individual or that, you know, and I always, I think back to, a lot of the work we were all talking about as we were coming into the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction in Aquarius and the idea that air signs are about dispersal of things, yeah. dispersal of central power, central um, figureheads yeah. or sources of power, dispersal of like people all being congregated in cities, you know, that idea yeah. of moving to regional areas or even just the dispersal and sometimes the displacement of different peoples through migration and immigration and refugee uh, status, you know, around the world, like Pluto coming into Aquarius as an air sign, th there is more mobility and movement. Things are shifting, dispersing, whether it's equalizing, but it, it it's definitely moving away from that kind of solar centrality energy. Because yeah, Aquarius totally. is opposite that uh, type yeah. of thing. Yeah. So a lot of um, sort of the energy that we've grown up with, you know, in our vintage, a lot of, you know, sort of a lot of what the collective has had imposed on us or shone upon us through the Pluto and Leo cycle, you know, we're diametrically opposed that now. So 
um, you know, as you said, uh, you know, to reiterate your points, like, you know, it is that dispersal of energy, you know, we're not having maybe centralized uh, governments or centralized institutions, you know, it's all sort of, you know, in that process of kind of breaking down. And so, you know, when it's, that all sounds nice, but, you know, Pluto is destructive before it regenerates. And so the destroying or the destructive element of what's come before it is not a pleasant thing. So, um, but, you know, I guess over the next 20 years, we're sort of going into the, the, the rebuild, but it might just be a little bit not so um, ideal on the get-go. So it might take a few years for these sort of um, new uh, structures or new ideas or new innovations to sort of really take a hold um, and, you know, whether that is kind of forced upon us, you know, Aquarius is a fixed sign after all, um, you know, there could also be just a little bit of, you know, difficulty around that as well. Yeah. And I think it'll be, you know, adding into this dispersal of resources as well. You know, if we think about the world right now, just resources are held specifically in certain areas and, you know, this possibility that food, wealth, you know, all of that can be dispersed more evenly around the planet um, is a possibility. And I think when we come back as well to individuals or people, you know, I find Aquarius is, you know, Leo is very much about me and here and who I am and, you know, how I love to um, dance around my lounge room, you know, when I'm at home by myself, whereas Aquarius is like, okay, how am I expressing me out there in the world? You know, what does my own individual identity look like when I'm mixing with other people? And I wonder if this is going to be an age in which we feel more empowered to be ourselves more rather than upholding the kind of social traditions or the social expectations that Capricorn may, may ask us to do. So I don't know whether there'll be a sense in personal development fields or mental health fields for this as well of like there being more freedom of empowerment within each person as well to be who they want to be, you know, fly that freak flag as Aquarius likes to do. Mm. Yeah, well, so I guess we're going to have shifts. 20 years to talk about it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, if we're thinking about January, um, we've talked about the Pluto coming in to Aquarius, which is definitely like the top level event, but we've also talked about Mars in Capricorn and some of the other aspects and interactions there. Is there anything that either of you want to say uh, about January that we haven't touched on before we go full force into February? Well, there's lot to, lots to say, but I think we've hit the highlights. Okay, cool. So if we start then looking into February, you know, I mean, there's a few different things going on there as well, but it does feel a bit like more on the Pluto in Aquarius story <laughs> because we have Mercury will conjunct Pluto in Aquarius and then we have Mars conjunct Pluto in Aquarius and then we have Venus conjunct Pluto in Aquarius, like all through the middle part of February. How are each of you thinking about that as uh, maybe an omen or uh, themes that might come forward? Well, I know in client work, um, you know, we reflect a lot on the sort of March to June period of 2023 where Pluto went in and why, unless somebody's got, you know, really up close and personal stuff, uh, early Aquarius, you know, we've seen some things collectively, which are, you know, very apparent, um, but 
I think we had a lot of Aquarius before Pluto. So it hasn't been a massive shock. You know, we had the grand conjunction, December, Saturn, Jupiter. So now it's kind of the grand finale. But in February, you know, this is um, an up close and personal taste of, you know, how might it inform communications logistics planning internet when mercury gets there how might it um, affect things to do with you know action drive confidence assertion uh, even topics you know of conflict once pluto uh, mars hits pluto and then of course how might that inform our relationships the our bonds that we share with other people um, our friendships our relationships and when everything is changing is that changing maybe what you desire or what you value or what you want to attract into your life so you know when we have this very deep sort of tectonic shift happening not only pluto in a new sign um because, you know, that's not, it's irregular, but we've all lived through them before. But what's really unique collectively is it's also an epoch shift, you know, it's air. And now as these smaller planets, well, smaller, but the more faster moving planets move through this, we really get to see at a more personal level as well, what it might mean, you know, for us as individuals and how it might the dance of the inner planets interplay with the longer 20-year cycle as per this house. Because chances are a good majority of us are going to have a Mercury perfection year, a Mars perfection year, a Venus perfection year. So now our planets via perfection, even if it doesn't affect you by transit, by perfection, we're going to get smacked by this, a good majority of us perhaps unless you're in a Jupiter, Saturn or a Sun and Moon year. Yeah, it's such a concentration of planetary energies emphasizing, you know, that one sign one and thing. that one planet, that one thing. It's like all that zero degrees too. Yes, yes, yeah. exactly. Zero Aquarius is like the hot degree in February. And I, I'm thinking about it as like, you know, Mercury with Pluto and then Mars with Pluto and then Venus with Pluto. Each of those personal planets is like introducing just a different facet of the Pluto in Aquarius journey or experience. You know, I always think about, you know, Mercury with Pluto or Mercury with the planet is like giving that planet a megaphone. So I always get very curious, like if Mercury's conjunct an outer planet, you know, what are the news headlines? What are the, you know, research pieces that are coming out around that time? What are the topics of conversation with friends and with family, colleagues, romantic partners? You know, what is it that Mercury is bringing forward out of the depths into our language, kind of intellectual awareness from Pluto in Aquarius? So I think February is a really helpful month if you're trying to get a sense of some of the topics or themes that are very relevant to Pluto in Aquarius for you personally, to sort of pay attention to the things that come up for you as these planets interact with Pluto in Aquarius. What about you, Leish, though? What, what is your sort of sense of these uh, personal planets connecting with Pluto or maybe you're thinking about February in a different way? No, I'm totally agreeing with what both you're saying. And, you know, I always love that megaphone analogy with uh, Mercury conjunct anything. And, yeah, I think, you know, so that's happening on the 5th of February for everyone in the world. On the 14th, um, Mars will conjunct Pluto, so that will make for an interesting Valentine's Day for anyone <laughs> celebrating. I think that may be where, you know, 
Pluto, I always think about as Hades, you know, the, the god of the underworld. And it's it's like we're being taken into a different underworld now. And Mars is going to be like, okay, I'm taking you. You're going there. It doesn't matter. And it may be this sense of some kind of conflict, internal conflict within yourself that is going to be highlighted over the next 20 years, some kind of irritation or frustration there. And it's that activating or that energizing of this deep Plutonian energy of like the cathartic release that needs to happen in this area of your chart. You know, Mars is kind of plunging the, the heat into this to encourage that purification. It's something that um, I see with Pluto and well, all the air signs. It's something I notice here, air is hot, and air is moist. And here in the tropics, you know, it's humid. And I notice how quickly things corrupt or go to mold or, or, or putrefy. And it makes me think, okay, well, what is it that the corruption that's being pulled back, you know, within ourselves? Where are the places that we may not be living up to our own standards or we may not be doing what we need to do? And I think Mars is going to highlight this for you, okay? You know, where are your will haves and won't haves? Where are your morals and ethics? And where's the, the corruption that you need to kind of purify out of that? Um, and yeah, and the Venus piece that's happening on the 17th of February for most of the world as well. You know, that's just highlighting exactly like the Cass said, you know, our relationships and where we may need to dig deep to get into the itchy spaces, but in a totally new area of our chart. So I love... Um, Venus's ability to calm and cool and soothe here. So maybe whatever Mars created a niche or a heat with, Venus can come in with the cold compress to go, it's okay, we've got this, we can do this together. Yes, I mean, she definitely has that kind of collaborative quality. I guess I'm really curious about the Mars-Pluto piece and how, you know, we think about like if Mercury is giving something a megaphone, I always think, well, Mars is giving it like a weapon or some sharp sort of implement. And, you know, Mars-Pluto, that combustible kind of volatile, but also willing to fight to go into battle. And I just, I do wonder about that Mars-Pluto like a war of words, a war of ideas, like the challenges or problems around technology, but also about the challenges and problems around maybe cohabitation or coexisting when there are people or groups of people that have different ideas, you know, that have to kind of be in proximity. I think a lot about that with the Mars-Pluto Aquarius piece and how how do we navigate those differences when there may be really big difference, different power dynamics, essentially? Yeah, this early part of Pluto is very different from the early iteration of Pluto because I think from memory, all we got was a square from Mercury to Pluto um, as Pluto ingressed into Aquarius last year. Um you know, we didn't have this kind of continual hit of outer planets because Pluto didn't come until late March. So we sort of missed the Aquarius season. Um, and the first aspect that Mercury, or sorry, that Pluto received from memory was the square from Taurus, Mercury and Taurus. And this time we get the conjunction. So there's definitely Mercury-Pluto signatures, at least with these two ingresses. 
I can't remember what happened in March. <laughs> but, but, you know, yeah. but I mean, I think, yeah, exactly. But I think, you know, it's suffice to say that it's things to do with internet and technology is topics to be controlled at the moment or the attempts to control information, attempts to control how people uh, receive, think what we're allowed to think, what we're allowed to say. Um, uh, yeah, that's, I think, is going to be um, issues that we're going to be dealing with. Um, right up in our faces in 2024. <laughs> yeah, it, it feels a lot about like the the control management privacy to do with data and information online. Like I know that's been a thing for a while, but it's like now that there's a lot more happening with technology, just feels like some of that. And then also about like, I don't know how much people have like read about this or looked into it. You know, there's a lot of platforms like social media platforms and other places online that are just designed to capture your attention from like, we want your eyeballs, you know, for marketing or data collection purposes. So I think one of the things that I'm really thinking a lot about in regards to the whole longer Pluto and Aquarius transit is this idea of managing my attention. You know, what, where do I literally put my eyeballs? Am I looking at a screen? Am I scrolling on social? Am I reading a book? You know, am I looking at trees? Like, what is it that we're putting our attention or our mental focus towards? Because I think, you know, the ways in which um, algorithms and things like that kind of try to manipulate our attention to keep it in certain places or to put certain things in front of us, not to like go down conspiracy theory rabbit hole, but the idea that we have to kind of be, it's a bit of a user beware space that I think is becoming increasingly important. And that's going to be a big part, you know, of Pluto and Aquarius. So I'm really in intrigued to hear about like research and data and information that comes out about how to create like a sustainable way of interacting with online spaces rather than sort of doing it in this unconscious way yeah yeah I don't think it's a true. conspiracy to ask the questions particularly when it's so obvious now like I remember five years ago if I would have a conversation I remember having a conversation about BMWs and then all of a sudden in my Instagram like BMW ads would pop up and you know, we might sort of write that off as a coincidence at one point in time, but I think it's quite clear that we know that it isn't. And so that's a good thing because then we can actually, as you said, Kel, put in more awareness of where we do put our attention and know that, you know, we are in a matrix and, um, you know, we all are, whether we want to admit it or not, but how we feed the beast, how we feed the machine is still up to us. You know, how much do we you know, it's like a poker machine, you know, it's the same thing, right? How much do you want to feed that thing? So um, I think the awareness of it is really key um, moving forward because I don't know, I, I know even myself, my eyesight is just deteriorating so much just because of the amount of screen time I do get because I don't have a choice in some respects, but then just all the incidental screen time that I don't actually need to be having. Yeah. Actually, that's interesting because eyeglasses were invented under the last Pluto Aquarius. So that's oh, yes, as it's well inviting us to see more. Yeah, <laughs> as well exactly. as things like space travel, you know, because we had mm. like the hot air balloons. Not that I think they were necessarily invented then, but there was this popularization or increased right. widespread use. So 
Yeah, I'm I like it even, you know, with yeah, space exploration or space developments. Uh, I think what I'm really intrigued about is how much of like a foreshadowing of what the longer Pluto and Aquarius is going to be about. Do we start to get a sense of particularly in February yeah, as these yeah. quicker planets uh, interact with Pluto? Yeah, 100%. And I think, you know, just to everything you're talking about, about the commodification of human attention also links back to mental health, which I think will be a mm. huge thing under Pluto and Aquarius as well. And what neuroscience is showing is we're actually reaching the edge of our evolutionary capacity to deal with what our technology is trying to get us to do. You know, our brain literally can't keep up with it. So, you know, they're linking this to ADD, ADHD, you know, the uptick in people being diagnosed with that um, and the actual trauma, the neuro, neuro level that we're seeing happen as well, just by that constant need to be connecting at this interface we're being taught to do do you guys ever watch black mirror no. there's an interesting black mirror episode oh yeah i've no, i haven't seen it but uh it's on my to-do list when i stop scrolling instagram yeah <laughs> <laughs> so okay so this is definitely a big theme for february the pluto aquarius activations is there anything else that either of you have got your eye on for february that you think is worth a mention well, um, there may not be, and that's okay. Yeah, I just want to make sure, like, before we wrap up, that we're not, that ne neither of you's got something burning that you want to say. No, I think, you know, that as you said, like, we have the uh, ingress of Pluto and Aquarius January, but it's February. We really get the, the next course, you know, the hors d'oeuvre plate gets passed around, um, and we'll really get to see what that looks like. Least do you want to, any, any sort of final thoughts or ideas from you? I just think be ready to walk with Hades, you know, be ready to kind of pull back the rug, start to explore underneath the surface, start to be aware of what empowerment means for you. Love mm. it. Yeah. yeah. Asking what deeper probing questions, I guess, being willing to, examine things that you might have just taken at face value yeah and trying to keep ego in the room when you do it or you know keep your mind or whatever you want to call it you know just really be willing to to peel it what about you cal yeah i think that i mean i was also just reviewing february i'm like there's you know venus and mars and mercury will then also be in aquarius throughout the month like venus and mars actually make a conjunction in aquarius and the planets in aquarius are going to be squaring jupiter and taurus like there's just a lot of different iterate and of course february is the month where we have the sun in aquarius for uh, at least about half the time so it just feels like if you want to get to know a little bit about what this longer pluto and aquarius trend will be for you I would just be really alert to what comes up for you, whether it's something you get start to get suspicious about or something that you're starting to question, something that you want to understand more deeply or something that you really want to change in a kind of substantial, maybe radical way. These are things that you don't have to do this February, but they're clues and pieces of information about things that you might get obsessed with or that you might go deeper into over this next couple of decades with this Pluto and Aquarius piece. Yeah, 
And of course, looking to which house this is going to highlight for you, because those will be the topics and themes that this will be happening against. So, yeah. yeah. We're all about to have a masterclass in our Aquarius house, whether whether you realise you've, you've registered for this you know, <laughs> by choosing to be alive at this point in time. I know, and that's what makes it so significant because, um, you know, for some of us it's really significant, for others it's not. And Pluto just doesn't go everywhere in our birth charts in a lifetime. So right. there is something very, you know, if you want to call it soul contract or what have you, that you know, you've been put on this earth to do a Pluto journey only in a Pacific area of your chart. So, um, you know, whatever house it activates is going to be a really important house to figure out. Yeah. And I love like between what you just said then, Cass, and what you said earlier, Leash, like Leash, you're thinking about like our age and the next 20 years is basically this really substantial part of our careers and how are we navigating that? Or, you know, if you're in your twenties and you're thinking about getting your career started, or if you're at an age or stage where you're starting to do family planning and have kids, the next 20 years, whatever thing you're focused on is going to be influenced by doing it in the context of Pluto in Aquarius. Yeah. Yeah. And I just want to say Pluto and Scorpio, they're ready. Because <laughs> <laughs> us Pluto and Libras are like Sayonara Pluto. Thank God to get that spit out of my face. <laughs> yeah. So Leisha's referencing a um kind of a, a sort of an age or generational based <laughs> transit where Pluto transiting Pluto makes a square to your natal Pluto. Um can be in your late 30s, can be in your 40s. Um, but with Pluto coming out of Capricorn, it's the square to, you know, Libra, Pluto and Libra people, which is everyone born in the 70s for the most part, which is all of us. And uh, so the next generation to get their Pluto square is going to be And some Pluto early school. 80s. We there is early for, 80s, wasn't we it? We can't yeah. forget our early 80s friends. I think that goes as far as to 83, actually. Yeah. Thank you for mm. making sure they don't get uh, very inclusive, inclusive of you, Pluto and Libra. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, anyone born like, you know, with that Pluto and Scorpio, you are, we are, we are more than ready to hand that baton over to you. And uh, well, it's kind of like, uh, sorry, Leish, that was the internet glitch there. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, I'm just saying like, we're here to support you. We we can, (laughs) we can give you, and I think because it's fixed signs as well, you know, the Pluto and Leos, the Pluto and Scorpios, it's, it just feels more heavy, more intense Pluto in those signs. And it's, you know, in a bit of the Pluto research that I've done, we've actually seen empires fall. They've all fallen during Pluto in fixed sign areas. So Mm. I wonder for the Pluto in fixed sign generations, how, you know, what are you going to be doing about your own personal empire and how will the, the the bricks come tumbling down? Yeah, I mean, I know this doesn't quite include you, Leash, but um, I think those of the Uranus and Scorpio generation, like we were the original weirdos. So, you know, we could, we're definitely qualified to help you. (laughs) The original emos, exactly, right? I mean, I still am in some respects, but um, yeah, we can definitely help you find that uh, inner weirdo to cope with your Pluto transits. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there is, because Pluto in a fixed sign, it's the the rigidity, the, the kind of 
solidness of the fixed signs. Like there, there's no bending, there's no giving. It's Extra just, intense. It's, it's either yeah. break or like it, it's hold on till the death or it breaks, you know? So there is more, it's a different, anyway, I feel like we have a million tangents, very typical talking about planets in air signs. We could probably go for another hour. Um, what do each of you gals have coming up? I know we talked about our water trio event in January, but love to hear maybe from you first, Leish, um, if you've got anything coming up or do you want, me, do you want Cass to go first? So no, 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 no. I'm doing <laughs> um, my 2024 astrology. I'm still working that out. I was supposed to do a webinar. I'm actually going to do an in-person event. I'm just finalizing with oh. the venue here. So it's going to be here on the Sunshine Coast um so yeah keep an eye on my social media for more details on that and also for those on the sunny coast I have just found a venue to start doing ecotherapy from so if you're keen to kind of you know work with your nervous system if you have a history of trauma or anxiety or even depression or loneliness um look me up I'm going to be start working from the beautiful Julong overlooking the coast and um yeah guiding you in nature what about you, Cass or Kel? Someone has a Pluto transit coming in her 11th, all that group stuff. Nice. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> uh, me, yes, uh, in January, it'll be on my website, um, just a 2024 year ahead webinar. Um, of course, there is um, the Golden Circle Club, which is my astrology membership where um, all the good stuff happens. So monthly astrology uh, each and every month. Kel. Excellent. Yeah, um, like both of you, I've got a 2024 webinar uh, coming up. It's an online thing for me. It is Saturday, January 6th, uh, Sunday, January 7th in Australia. And in January, I will be co-teaching our Water Trio Retreat. Uh, all three of us will be there. And I'm also going to be teaching my uh, in-person year ahead event in Palm Springs. So that is the end of January in Palm Springs in Southern California. So you can find out details about all those events and everything else that I've got coming up in 2024, which is a lot. I'm definitely going all in on the in-person next year uh, on my calendar page on my website. So kellysastrology.com. Do you guys each want to give a shout out of your website just so to make it easy for people to find you? aliciayusuf.com and cassandratindle.com easy. easy just just our names there we go <laughs> uh well thank you gals for being together and doing this again it's always so, so good. fun uh i wish should let our listeners know wherever you are listening to our podcast can you like subscribe or follow along it really helps other people find out about the show and if you are watching on YouTube, let us know in the comments below what you're thinking about in terms of January and February astrology or how you're experiencing some of the themes that we've been talking about. We love to hear um, how this hits for you uh, in terms of your personal experiences. So thanks, gals, and thanks, everyone, and we'll see you all next time. So good. Thanks. See you next time. Bye. Bye.